0: Welcome to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. On today's episode, everyone's talking about Brighton, so let's talk about them too. And Champions League kicks off this week. Is Man City repeating the Champions League inevitable? Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. I'm your host Jake Marchesani, and we're back uh, with the Premier League. And everybody's talking about Brighton, so I thought we would talk about them as well, and it is deservedly so. Uh, Brighton beat Manchester United three to one over the weekend, and uh, honestly. They did it, and they made it look fairly easy. Uh, it just seemed like a routine win for Brighton, uh, which causes a lot of concern if you're a Manchester United fan or somebody associated with the club. I thought it was a, a pretty poor performance. Um, you can just see the uh, the difference in the two sides. You had Brighton, a team that has a way of playing, has a game plan, has structure, uh, um, and uh, and they executed their game plan to a T, and then you have Manchester United who don't really look like they have a game plan. Um, you know, yes, they want to be a good counter-attacking team, and you can and and you do see parts of that, but the rest of their uh, the rest of their game was was hard to really see what they're trying to do, especially on the defensive side. You know, interestingly enough, last year Manchester United built a really solid defense. And uh, they were they, they they had a couple games where they just kind of let in a bunch of goals. Um, but those were you know rare. Overall, it was hard to score against them and their defense was solid. They built up they built their team from a good defense and it got them pretty far. And you look at Manchester United last year, I think everybody would agree that Eric Ten Hag, had a, 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 it was a phenomenal coaching job that he that he did last year to bring them from where they were to get to third place qualify for Champions League to cup finals win the Carabao Cup i mean by all measures a lot of people would would consider last season a success uh, and, and 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 even like building right build putting some building blocks in place and it just feels like already this season uh, the train has derailed a little bit and it's hard to see you know uh, we we manchester united has definitely not taken a step forward in fact i think one or two steps back if you look at where manchester united are in the league right now they have two wins three losses and their two wins were lucky uh, if i'm being if i'm being honest um, so they're lucky to be in this position with the with the, the the bad start that they had last season losing to brentford and brighton they started off you know no wins then they won four on the spin, and they beat Arsenal and Liverpool in the process, and uh, and they came out of that funk pretty quickly. Well, we have a worse record now than we did last season, and it doesn't look that great. And uh, before we jump into the analysis of the game, I will say, with all the drama that Manchester United is is having right now, they do have a lot of injuries, and <clears throat> I would say probably five starters, five people who could start are injured and then probably you know a few more who could challenge um, from the bench. So they are thin right now, but it doesn't really make an excuse you're Manchester United you're supposed to be pretty deep and you're supposed to weather the storm on injuries. So the injuries are not the only reason the team looks um, the team looks tired already, uh, which is not a good sign. When you are going to start Champions League uh, today and having to, you know, travel, play a weekend game, play a midweek game. So to look tired already, not a good sign. Um, But let's talk about the game because um, Brighton just continue to impress. And I would put them as for sure top four contenders. Somebody said over the weekend, title contenders, I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but they are legitimate top four contenders. They were miles ahead of Manchester United uh, in this game, and they've built a great club, atmosphere, and team. Roberto De Zerbi, Uh you know, everybody was singing Graham Potter's praises, and all of a sudden they got an upgrade in manager, uh, and, uh, and and so they look great. The first goal that Brighton scored I would say was a microcosm of the game as a whole and when you look at Brighton it's interesting because they kind of like to play in sequences if you will Uh, they almost have like a little bit of choreograph a little bit of a play uh, if you will and uh, they like to start the ball with one of their center backs and uh, and and you can even see the center back just standing there with the ball waiting for somebody to pressure him and they usually wait for someone from the de- the defending team to step up and pressure them. And that is what triggers their sequence. Now, sometimes they'll have one of their players trigger it. But that's typically what you're going to see. And so when Brighton line up, they usually play with – they have two center backs. And, uh, and And they like to have two pivots, two midfield pivots playing alongside of each other just in front of the center backs. And then they like to kind of spread the rest of their uh, their players out. So the game, the, the goal, the first goal that they scored, the right sided center back had the ball. So they like their right sided. Whoever has the ball, the that side fullback is going to push up a little bit higher. Okay, so they're going to push up, and the the winger because they play kind of a four two three one almost or a four three three. It's just very fluid. But um, the winger is going to be high on that side, and their center forward, and so they want to—they usually like to create an overload on the side that they are starting the ball with, and uh, and their two midfield pivots like to kind of hide almost behind the uh, the front line of the opposing team. So you have Rashford who kind of pressured the ball, didn't really do it, and uh, and then the midfield three for. Manchester United were just standing in a flat line, not marking anybody, not near anybody. And uh, and so Danny Welbeck checks in, in between the lines. The ball gets played up to him. The The two midfielders, Casemiro and Erickson, converge on the ball. Welbeck lays it off. And what happened was Pascal Gross, who's one of the center mids, was like hiding behind Rashford, and he just kind of spun off of Rashford and then made himself available for the for the layoff. So Welbeck lays it off to him, and, and, and United were just ball-watching. They were not marking the players. They were not seeing where players were going to be going. And so the ball gets laid back to Gross. He plays it out wide to the winger, and now there's a little bit of an overload. So they don't close down the winger. Uh, sorry, it's the fullback who has the ball. They don't close down the fullback very well. And uh, and so the winger takes uh, Lisandro Martinez out of the play. Wellback opens up for a nice through ball into the middle. Casemiro tracking but is just not not tracking very well, to be honest. And it creates a 2v1. So they always want to have a 2v1. They always want to create a 3v2 if they can. So now Wellback with the ball. And I can't remember the, the winger's name have kind of a 2v1 on Lissandra Martinez. So he's trying to delay. Finally, he steps a little bit. Welbeck plays the ball out wide. And the whole time, Adam Lalana, who's a center mid, is bursting forward. And what he does is he sees the ball go out wide, and he makes a decisive run to the front post and drags Lindelof with him. Casemiro doesn't track Welbeck all the way and just lets him go. And the cross comes in, Lilana dummies it, and Welbeck is wide open, eight yards from goal with an easy one-touch tap-in. And uh, and that is how Brighton can beat you. They go from slow to fast. So they're just standing on the ball in their center back, and all of a sudden, ten seconds later, it's in the back of your net. right? So Brighton, they're really good at luring you in and then – putting their sequence together. Now, does it always work? Of course not. Um, However, Manchester United played right into their hands. And uh, and that was, you know, disappointing to watch. It just looked like if you're going to play against Brighton, you need to have a solid, organized press. Whether you decide to press high or mid or whatever it is, but United was just so laissez-faire. They were standing around ball-watching. They were not organized. They were not intense. And Brighton just cut through it. And, 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 and all of Brighton's goals felt similar where they got the ball out wide. What they like to do is they like to get the ball out wide and then attack. And they attack with numbers and when they attack with speed. And they'll either have an overlap from a fullback or they'll cut it inside and um, and what happened in the next two goals was very similar to that. Uh, and Brighton just you know kind of ran away with it, and it just felt like you were watching a team who knew what they were doing, who had a clear vision against a team who it, it, just like a bunch of talent trying to trying to win a game. And uh, and I'm I'm saddened that that is how Manchester United just continue to fall back on, right? That's just how they always that's been the cycle for the last ten years. And uh, and so United was poor in defense, they were poor in pressing. Brighton exposed all of those and no one was marking. So the 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 formation and the press and the defensive the the full defense, right? Eric Ten Hag said so many times last year that they defended with everybody like their goal was they they were gonna defend with all the whole team so uh from the front line on back well they did not do that this game and uh <clears throat> and brighton just had a, a, a great game plan to expose it so brighton looked great and um it's encouraging to see a club that is run really well uh that has a philosophy that, you know, brings in players that finds talented players. One thing that was just crazy was Brighton's squad. The starting lineup for that for that game cost $16 million. That's the transfer fees for the entire Brighton starting 11. And uh, and then you look at Manchester United and you have Jadon Sancho, who's out right now, probably never going to play for United again because probably bad attitude. I'm not sure what's going on with him. And then you have Anthony, who, who is in the middle of some sexual allegations. And those two guys combined cost $200 million. And they're not even playing, and they're not even playing that good. Um, So it's a stark difference. It just seems like United keep going in the same cycle. And uh, I hope that the injuries can can get better because I do think that – They have some great quality. I was really excited about Kobe Maynou in the preseason. He was looking great, like outclassing Casemiro, to be honest. I I think they have a Casemiro conundrum. Because of his pedigree and how great he's been, I just think they have to play him. And I think you have a lot more versatility with a kid like Kobe Maynou. Plus, they brought in Amrabat. I would put those two guys in ahead of Erickson and... Casemiro. If I'm being honest, there does need to be a little bit of a shakeup. So when those two guys are healthy, I would love to see them in action. I I I think you know you got to get Varan back in. Juan Basaka is injured. Luke Shaw, right? Like the the there's only one defender from the back four starting lineup who's who's healthy right now. So that that hurts, right? But I think there's some. I think it's time for a shakeup at United and uh, changing up the, the style, getting some different players in. I mean, Ahmad Diallo, I'd love to see him come in if he gets back f- uh, from his injury. So there's definitely some things to look forward to, but I do think that's the trend of Manchester United. There's always a little bit of hope, uh, and uh, but then it leads to a lot of disappointment. So today is Wednesday, September 20th. I'm recording this in the morning. And they have a humongous Champions League tie against Bayern Munich. I'm almost not wanting to watch it, but I I will try um, because I want to see what they do in the Champions League. Um, But I also want to see Bayern with Harry Kane. I mean, that's an exciting prospect as well. And uh, so Manchester United have a lot, a lot of work to do. It looks like we took like two steps forward last year and now four steps back this year. Uh, So that's not progress, okay? Um, But... Hats off to Brighton. I got to give them a ton of kudos and respect. As far as the rest of the league uh, results last week, um, you know, pretty standard. Nothing shocking, right? Um, you got some teams that are looking solid. Um, but if we look at the table now, after five games, we have Man City uh, at the top, which I do think still have played the softest schedule. Uh, Spurs, who are looking great. Um, with a dramatic win last week. They're in second, Liverpool in third, Arsenal fourth. So that is a that is a strong top four right there. But then you have Brighton, who I, who is going to break into the top four, I think, and West Ham, who are up there, who gave Manchester City a really good run this weekend. Of course, you got to think Newcastle is going to bounce back, um, maybe not Manchester United, but I do think that it's going to get crowded in, in the top seven still. Um, but who's going to challenge Manchester City? I'm not sure yet. They still have a relatively easy schedule. Their hardest game is going to be against Brighton, I believe, not until October. So they still have a ways till they play somebody tough. Um, and they had a relatively smooth game yesterday in the Champions League. Uh, and so we'll see how things shake up. You know, this is where the schedule gets starts to get demanding. And, uh, of course, Man City are built for that. Um, But can the other teams challenge as well? I really would love to see not a runaway title for Man City again this season. Um, So we'll see. But things are progressing nicely. Some good teams, some good talent to watch in the Premier League. It's very exciting uh, if you're anybody but a Manchester United fan. So uh, we'll be back in a second. We'll talk about Champions League. And some of the results yesterday and what we have to look forward to there as well. We'll be right back. All right, let's hit on the Champions League because, man, Champions League is back and it is the best. Um, And uh, you just have a Tuesday night, Wednesday night game under the lights. You have teams traveling across Europe playing different Different styles of play, different cultures, different countries. It's just it brings it brings everything together. It it really does feel like football at its purest. World Cup is up there as well, but Champions League is still incredible. I love watching it, uh, and uh, and it was great to see Newcastle back in the Champions League, and they played the first game. They played a little earlier, and they played against AC Milan at. Milan. So that was a, that was kind of a mouthwatering matchup. Um, and especially with, uh, Tonali, who used to be at Milan and now is at Newcastle. There's a little bit of, um, some controversy around his transfer. Um, but, uh, but I really enjoyed the game. Now the game finished 0 0. And I, I like to say in soccer, You can have 0-0 games that are thrilling and edge-of-the-seat type action and a great game. And then you can have a 0-0 game that's pretty bland. This was a really good game. I really enjoyed it. I was tuned in. Uh, It was a classic midfield battle. Um, So, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is at AC Milan now I thought he played really well he had to come off from an injury um, but he was causing a lot of challenges with where he was positioning um, and uh, a- a- and the way that the teams were kind of combating through the midfield was really good to see you had you had Loftus cheek kind of positioning himself um, kind of in the right the right side and a little bit higher. And, uh, and so he was having so, – so that's kind of the side where Tonali plays. So Loftus-Cheek was kind of monitoring uh, Bruno Guimaraes on defense, but then holding a little higher when they got the ball to keep Tonali honest and not pushing too high. And he was finding really good positions, getting the ball, turning, creating opportunities. In fact, uh, AC Milan had 15 shots in the first half and they had some real good opportunities, Um, and Newcastle, I think, um, you know, I think they were playing pretty conservative. They were not um, high-pressing and fast-paced like they normally are, and I I didn't expect to see them go all out. I I do expect them to play a little bit more like that when they're at home. Uh, I do think that Newcastle is going to you know, utilize the atmosphere at St. James's Park and try to overwhelm teams, even in Champions League. I do think that they are going to play like that. But this was their first game back in Champions League in 20 years. They're playing at AC Milan, who is a Champions League stalwart, uh, have won it a couple times, you know, went to the semifinals last year and have a, a, a really solid squad. Of course, they were probably favored to win the game. And so I thought, you know, Newcastle, you know some people are saying that they parked the bus. I wouldn't say that they parked the bus that much. I mean, they were looking to get into Milan's half. They were they were not just sitting back. I mean, parking the bus is where you just drop everybody back to your 18-yard box, okay? That that's not what Newcastle did yesterday. The game was a little was definitely back and forth. What happened was when Milan came down, they put combinations together and they actually created shots. When Newcastle came down, their, their attacks fizzled a little bit. They didn't get the final shot in as much. So they still had some buildup. They had some play in the final third. They just couldn't get that final shot attempt, and it was 15-2 to two in the first half. Second half, a little bit more even. It ended up opening up a little bit. You could tell that some of the players were tired uh, because it was just a little bit back and forth, especially toward the end. But I give credit to both teams. Even when they were both tired, They didn't give in. They didn't lapse in their concentration and let in a goal either way. So the game was really, really interesting to watch. Um, I thought it was a really good game. I thought that Newcastle, you know, were tentative. I know they had some issues traveling um, to Milan. So there was, you know, there were some things working against them, and I give them some credit. Um, But... They are going to need to kind of step it up a little bit if they're going to get out of their group, because uh, many people do consider them to be in the group of death because they have PSG and Dortmund and Milan in their group. So they got a great result. That's a result you want to get when you're playing away at Milan. They got that. Um, PSG beat Dortmund, so you know that they're they're definitely going to be the tough toughest team in that group. Um, but I think that any of these teams can beat any of them on any given day, and that's why the group. This is a group of death. Uh, Barcelona looked really nice. They won five nil. They, um, you know, Zhao Felix and uh, Lewandowski linked up a couple. Uh, linked up for a nice goal. Felix scored. They got. I think Barcelona have improved, and even though they were playing Antwerp, probably a minnow, right? A Champions League minnow. Um, they looked really good, and I do think this is the best squad Barcelona have had in a while. And uh, they need to make they need to progress in the Champions League this year. They 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 can't get knocked out at the group stage, which I I highly doubt they will. They're probably the best team in their group by far, but they can't just get to the round of sixteen either. I think Barcelona need to get a quarterfinal to semifinal run, and I do think that they could. Looking around, the Champions League looks slightly weaker this season. I'm not, you know, I don't know. it just, you know, Man City, of course, Bayern. um, But you can't put Barcelona up there yet. We'll see what happens with some of the other teams. But I want to give one good shout-out to the Lazio goalkeeper. If you didn't catch the game or the highlights, go check it out. Um, Atletico Madrid versus Lazio. Uh, Madrid were up 1 0 for most of the game. 93rd minute, Lazio gets a corner kick. They send it in, bounces around a little bit, uh, claims for a handball, ball pops out, so they recycle it a little bit, knock the ball back uh, at the corner of the 18. The goalie for Lazio had come up. His name, uh, Provadel, I think. He'd come up from the corner, stayed up, and as the ball is about to get played, as everybody is moving out, He makes a perfectly timed run, looked like a center forward, and he goes in for the cross, heads the ball in at the 95th minute, ties the game, last play of the game, last touch of the game, and an incredible celebration. What a goal that was. Got to give a great shout out to the Lazio goalkeeper uh, with that amazing goal. So with that, guys, um, thank you for listening. Always appreciate it. Watch some Champions League this week if you can, and uh, and always, always remember, um, subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and uh, we'll be back next week. Remember, know thy soccer. See you next time. for listening to the socrates podcast special thanks to grid lab for providing the music and the artwork socrates podcast is a production of ball watchers fc